Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Oh, yeah. It's behind the bastards. Please, please. Jesus Christ. It is, it is a fucking oh, Samantha. My heart stop. Samantha, do you see how she treats me sometimes? It's a fucking. It's two o'clock on a Tuesday when we're recording this. I don't, I don't need the drama. No. I believe I have civil rights, Sophie. I'm sorry. Do I not have civil rights? Uh, what does that have to do with you doing quite I think literally? I think I have the worst a civil radio right. voice I've ever heard. Well, that's your opinion. Take away from you. Uh, that's, she has the right I, to do that. This, this that feels might happen. like my rights are being violated. Samantha McVeigh, how are Hi. you doing? How are you doing? I am wonderful. How are Samantha, you? Samantha, is it true that were I listening, looking for a podcast about things that my mother had never told me, that you could help me with that? <laughs> yes, as in fact, you can uh, just put stuff mom never told you, and you will find my face and then some other faces as the host. And Yay. yes, you can come and listen. About that, things your mother may not have told you. If you have a cool mom, maybe they did tell you. I don't know. That is extremely based. Um, I'm happy that we're talking <laughs> today about why the rent is so damn high. But you know what else is too high right now, Samantha? Tell me. The Great Lakes. They oh. actually hit record highs this year, which is causing serious problems for all of the communities who live near those lakes. And Samantha, that's why we got yes. to nuke them. This is, his, this is his revenge for me telling him. Uh, have you do his have radio you have you thought he knows about it hurts my feelings when he does Samantha, this bit? Have you thought about how many nukes the United States has that are just sitting around doing nothing? We spent you know, a lot of money on I, those nukes. I understand that there is a lot, and it's one of those that I'm like, I really hope I'm in the center of it, so I'm just decimated if it. You know, this happens with all of them being deployed. I want to be right there in the middle. We're going to shoot those missiles right at Lake Superior, Lake Ontario, 
the other ones. Take them out. Doesn't, doesn't, even, know, doesn't a... even know the names of the Great Lakes, but wants to nuke them. Robert I, Evans. Yeah. May I ask why? What what have they done well, to you? Other than thing, for one rising. thing, they're at record highs, which is dangerous. Fair. For another thing, Fair. you ever listened to the Gordon Lightfoot song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? No. Well, I feel like maybe you should, oh, Samantha. It's maybe, about a boat full of brave men who are killed by the vicious Lake Superior during a storm that we could have nuked away. But what were they doing there? And they what were, were they trying. Wearing? They were trying to take steel from some place to some other place. Mm. They're just being mm. good Suspicious. sailors. Well. Robert, Robert, wow, buddy, we have a lot buddy, of we have a lot of Great go. Lakes sympathizers. This is not a bit, Sophie. This is a serious <laughs> political exercise. I believe I have the right to advocate political. Sophie, if I'm remembering, this is danger I never knew I needed. If, if, if I'm remembering, it. it's not the, even good. The, the company thing that we had to do <laughs> recently, you are violating my civil rights by trying to force me to hold a political belief. <laughs> did you that actually? I don't hold. Did you actually do that video? You no, I have not. Yeah, I, have I was going to say, there's yet. no way you fucking did that on time there's no fucking absolutely way. not i know there is a video and it probably says that you can't stop me from wanting to nuke the great lakes uh i haven't seen it either i haven't done the training either so i can't confirm I did or deny it. that's good i want you to know i did it it didn't count it and i have to do it again Shut i'm very upset up. about this wow wow i'm so upset about this samantha i'm gonna play a little I'm bit so of politics upset. here i'm gonna play a little bit of politics okay. what if okay. i add making us not have to do this thing to the bill that will nuke the Great Lakes. You know? You know. See? That does put me... A little bit of pork. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is how we make sausage, baby. Sorry to the residents there. No, no, it's good for them. It'll get keep the lakes off their backs. Yeah, it'll be fine. I don't think it's good for them. I don't think they would say that. Water soaks up radiation real well, so it'll be good. It'll just, you know what it'll be like? It'll be like everybody's got a hot tub for a little while. That's going to be nice. Anyway, today we are going to start by talking about a bastard, Samuel Zell, Z-E-L-L. Now, he was Mm. born Shmuley Zilonka. I think I'm saying that close, close enough to right. On September 28th, 1941. His parents, Rukla and Berek, were Jewish immigrants from Poland. Um, if you hadn't guessed that they were Polish by the last name Zilonka. Um, yeah, his father had made good money as a grain merchant. And when Germany was gearing up to invade in 1939, he was one of those guys who was like, probably isn't going to go well. Probably, probably, yeah. probably time to be getting, out, get getting out, of out of Poland. Yeah, yeah. I think we should leave now. This is yeah. a good time to leave, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Time, time to bounce. They, it, that was a great time to leave Poland. Um, so Zell, uh, our, our Zell, Samuel Zell, Shmuley, but Zell. Samuel. He, he gets raised in Chicago, where his father takes up a new business. Oh, good. Okay, so you guys are both you guys are both Chi-Town babies. You know. Um, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. I just said, oh, Sammy. There's no Chi-Town. Oh, I thought you said Sammy. I thought you were saying that no. you had also grown up in Chicago. No. Not okay. that cool. I'm not that cool. Well, I don't know. Chicago is certainly a city. So, um, yeah, his <laughs> dad takes... Up into everybody. That's right. That's right. There's only I one city we like on Behind the Bastards, and it's Pittsburgh. Um, oh, really? Okay. Where I that's have huge. never been. So, his okay. father takes up a new business as a jewelry wholesaler. From early on, Samuel is very interested in business. He's one of these kids who decides, as a child, capitalism is the thing for him. Which, I, I, another warning sign, right? I, look, course. this kid is a, a refugee from war-turned Europe. 
I have a lot of sympathy for that. But no matter what your background is, if at age, let's say 12, you're talking about how you want to be an entrepreneur, I don't, we got to slow those kids down. Maybe like put some wasp spray and like the school ventilation ducts or something, but we got to slow those kids down. They're not doing any good for us. They're Mm -hmm. just hustling. Come on. That's what he's going to do. I don't know. Somebody, if he just like gotten a little bit more lead maybe, or maybe a little less oxygen, maybe a little bit more CO2 in the house. Anyway, he doesn't. So his, he, he, things are fine for him. Um, he, he starts his first business at age 12. He realizes that local kids in his upper-class suburb craved pornography, but they couldn't purchase it in any of the stores that they could reach on their bicycles. So Sam found a place in the city where he could buy Playboy magazines in bulk for 50 cents each and then resell them for between $1.50 and $3 each. Holy now, crap, this yeah. kid. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah. that's impressive. Well, it's impressive, but also that's that's a bad sign. So he later it's called this- a bad this, sign, but damn. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, it's a good grift, but it's a bad sign. (laughs) He later called this his, quote, first lesson in supply and demand, bragging to a 2013 meeting of the Urban Land Institute. For the rest of that year, I became an importer of Playboy magazines to the suburbs. Now, again, normally I think this is a good thing because the suburbs are desperately boring and they needed the mid-core porn that Samuel offered. They need that porn, There's an entirely good, look, when I was a kid, my first pornography was porn we found in a little stretch of the woods in the middle of our suburbs that all of me and my cousins would like run to and you could go like, there's just like this box of Playboys. Many people, there's the legend of Johnny Porno seed, you know, somebody seeded. Wait, it was in the woods? Yeah, woods porn is a thing. Okay, there's so many questions about I guess we don't For have kids, the time, but I don't, I don't wow. think, well, no, I don't think Gen Z has this because they've got the internet, but like oh, no, I encountered my first porn before the internet was common and it was porn that was Obviously. found like, it was kind of in like a little in wooded woods. area behind the housing development, you know, everyone had that this experience. This is Texas, right? Yeah, this is Texas, but I, I know okay, many other people had, had, had found woods porn. Um, wood porn, yeah. Yeah, which at least nobody, I didn't have to pay for my woods porn. Sure, it was kind of moldy and like crumbling and all of the colors weren't clear. Dang, but okay. Ooh. I was pretty sure you could see, see some nipples in there. You know, when I was like seven. <laughs> Wait, it's kind of like the, uh, the kids who would w- try to watch porn on static TV. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah, Showtime it's or the Max? physical yeah, version okay, okay, of static you. TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right, let's go. Keep going. So, so he is he peddling, provi- mid- he is, he is mid- peddling mid-core. mid-core pornography to the awesome. suburbs. Um, Samuel graduates from Highland Park High School because, uh, again, his parents are rich. That is a nice part of Chicago. Uh, he's accepted okay. by the University of Michigan. He is less interested in his studies than he is in finding new ways to make a buck. His roommate mentions to him one day that their landlord was developing a new property, an apartment complex. Samuel thought it would be easy to manage, later saying, quote, I had plenty of faith in my own, what I call salesmanship. I could rent them, and most important of all, I was a student, and it was student housing. I thought I could relate. In return for running and maintaining the building, this friend of mine and I each got an apartment. So number one, for an idea of kind of how this kid works, he's able to talk a landlord into this arrangement. And then he's able to turn this arrangement into a business that's shocking size. By the time he graduates in 1966, Zell had managed with his partner more than 4,000 apartments and personally owned between 100 and 200 of them. This is a huge business. He's very good at this. Um, Now, he sells his share of the property management business he'd started to his partner, and he moves back to Chicago, where he passes the bar exam and he joins a law firm. Law was what he'd studied to do, and becoming a lawyer had been his goal for years, but like, now that he sells his real estate business and he starts working as a lawyer, he's like, kind of fucking hate being a lawyer. This guy, this sucks ass. Yeah. Right. 
So pretty much immediately, he quits and decides to go back into real estate and make it his full-time career. In 1968, he founded a company and brought in his old business partner, and he started buying properties. Now, he happened to get into the market right as it was hitting, uh, it was on an overbuilding spree. Like, again, one of these times when, like, they're building way more housing than is needed because there's this irrational exuberance of investors and buyers and whatnot, which leads to a market crash in 1973. Multifamily mm. residential real estate plummeted in value first, and a lot of commercial property loans went into default. So numerous properties are abandoned mid-construction, right? Companies like suddenly we can't finance finishing this house, so there's just this lot with like a basement dug or some shit on it. Right. And Zell sees this as an opportunity. He can buy up valuable real estate for nothing and cheaply put it into a portfolio that he can profit from later when the market recovers, right? Oh, uh, um, Yes. Hmm. Tale as old as time. So he has other businesses as the years go by. He purchases an agricultural company that's closing and then a nitrogen plant that's going into bankruptcy. Then he buys a potash plant and starts like making fertilizer. So he's buying these businesses that are failing and then he integrates them together into one bigger business that's able to succeed. This is a pattern that asserts itself over and over again. Samuel Zell looks for misfortune, finds a business or a property that's fallen on hard times, buys them up at a very low price, then repackages them and sells them for a profit. In an article for the New York University Review, Zell described his strategy as dancing on the skeletons of other people's mistakes. Um, this earns him the nickname. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's what he's doing. And he gets the nickname Grave Dancer as a result. Oh, he's bad. Oh, mm. oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's funny. That That is kind of cool. Um, but <laughs> it's not about to be. So sometimes, call it cool. <laughs> yeah, he, sometimes he has to make the grave to dance on it. So he buys a controlling interest in the Tribune Company, which owned the Chicago Tribune and the Los Angeles okay. Times. Um, and I, I want to quote now from a New York Times article talking about the guy that Zell brings in to run the Tribune, a man named Randy Michaels. Quote, after Mr. Michaels arrived, according to two people at the bar that night, he sat down and said, watch this, and offered the waitress $100 to show him her breasts. The group sat dumbfounded. Here was this guy who was responsible for all these people getting drunk in front of senior people and saying this, this to a waitress who many of us knew, said one of the Tribune executives present, who declined to be identified because he had left the company It did not want to be quoted. I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> so... Um, Mr. Michaels denies this happened, saying the people who told the Times the anecdote were lying or mistaken. But boy, a lot of people have similar anecdotes about this guy who Zell brings in to run the Tribune. Now, Zell's plan seems to have been that he buys this company and he finances the deal. This might sound familiar. So the Tribune, massive media company. He's only able Mm -hmm. to buy it by borrowing heavily. Um, like that's how he finances it. He gets a bunch of banks mm-hmm. to front the money that he can't put up front. And then as soon as he buys it, his plan is to engage in aggressive cost cutting that can make the venture profitable after like trimming all of the employees. It's almost exactly like what Elon Musk is about to do with Twitter, right? Right. Exactly. Wow, that sounds yes. super familiar. <laughs> yeah, wow. it sounds really familiar. Zell is doing this same thing. And when he buys the company, he allegedly tells the employees, there's a new sheriff in town. Which, like, you don't actually I say that, dick. Sam. You don't really say that. Nobody says that. What a So in buying and tanking the Tribune, Zell brought harm to a number of hugely influential local papers. In addition to the Los Angeles Times, um, 
and the Chicago Tribune. The Tribune owned the Baltimore Sun, the Hartford Current, the Orlando Sentinel, uh, as well as the Tribune and the LA Times. So he has bought up the most influential local news sources in the country, um, and he's about to run them into the ground. So as soon as he buys them, he goes on like a tour through all of these different properties, these different newsrooms, giving speeches. He's famous for cursing a lot in his speeches, um, I think to try to be entertaining and stuff. Um, But over and over again, the thing he tries to sell his new staff on is the fact that he's going to make them rich with his new management skills. At one point, he writes to the Tribune's employees, I have said repeatedly that no matter what happens in this transaction, my lifestyle won't change. Yours, on the other hand, could change dramatically if we get this right. They're not going to get this right. So for one thing, these are all newspapers, right? That's the, that's right. the business. Yeah. Fairly large newspapers. Um, the team he brings in to take over management are all radio people. In particular, they're all shock jock DJs. So <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Mr. Michaels, who's running it, is a former shock jock. He's like a Howard Stern type. Um, and so that's the people he's like, you know, who can run a bunch of local newspapers is like drive time radio DJs who curse on the air. That's that's right. who will turn the newspaper business around. Um, now, since Obviously. Mr. Michaels is a shock jock, the people that he brings in to help him run the company are also all former shock jocks. And one of the first things they do is they rewrite the employee handbook. Quote, Working at Tribune means accepting that you might hear a word that you personally might not use. You might experience an attitude you don't share. You might hear a joke that you don't consider funny. That is because a loose, fun, nonlinear atmosphere is important to the creative process. This should be understood and should not be a surprise and not considered harassment. Now, yes, of course, if you're working in a creative enterprise based around like writing, people should be aware that they're going to encounter things that are uncomfortable and and stuff they might not like and being open minded and people being able to bat. But if you're putting that in your handbook with specifically to lead to you shouldn't ever complain about harassment, that's because you want to sexually harass a bunch of people. Right. Right. That's that's why you're putting that in there. And then you're going to be racist. So all of those things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and expect it. Pretend like it's 1919 or 1909, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's it's like yes. everything else. Yeah. So they took this uh, don't call our harassment harassment seriously. Mr. Michaels hired a woman named Kim Johnson to be his SVP of local sales. In the news release announcing her hire, he, he said that she was a, quote, former waitress at Knockers, the place for hot racks and cold brews. Um, I think this was a joke based on a fake restaurant chain. But anyway, it's it's a weird thing to say about someone you brought on as a VP. Um, right. But yeah, th- they can say we have a woman. We have a woman. We're not sexist. Exactly. We have a woman, and we only a little bit complimented her knockers in the press release we we put out. In the press release announcing her hire. Jesus, the press release. Yeah, so this is like what they're putting out publicly to the industry. Like, we hired this lady because of her tits. Like, that's, that's literally... You're welcome. Yeah, this is not That's like I, I, people might have thought at first, like, oh, this is just like a thing he said at like an office party that was inappropriate. No, no, no. <laughs> they published they put it this. in a press release. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So in his first tour really of the company, Zell promised there would be no job cuts, but of course there were many of them. And what's worse, his business acumen appeared to lead him to try to like refocus all of these legitimate newspapers on cheesy game show tactics. Quote from the New York Times. The company introduced promotions that seem to have been drawn from the radio handbook at four of the company's television stations, an event called Cash Grab, in which the viewer was led into a bank vault and allowed to scoop up dollar bills, was inserted in the middle of the station's newscasts. <laughs> 
at WPIX TV in New York, the viewers were cheered on by clapping Hooters waitresses, giving the station the appearance of televised shock radio. He literally, you know, like you ever seen RoboCop? No, sorry. Have you ever seen like Idiocracy? Nope. Oh, okay. Both of those movies have like fake <laughs> TV cool. news that has like that's just oh. like d- super trashy and gross and stuff because it's dystopian societies. He's just done yes. that for real. He's just actually made that as a. Wasn't there like, an Eastern European station that actually had women stripping as they were telling news in order to engage viewers? I'm but sure. they're trying to do real news. I feel like I saw this a while ago. And I was like, I mean, what is that's, happening? That's I feel like it's along like those a lines. thing that happened. Uh, to be honest, having just being like, hey, we're the news and also people will strip on the news is way less gross to me than, hey, we're going to split the news up with cash grab where people stuck in a bank vault have to grab dollars. That's much grosser to me than just like, I yeah, sometimes know people will be happened. naked. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty Neither cool. Are good. So Zell hired cool. a chief innovation officer who was like a maniac and would regularly write 5,000 word typo riddled memos to journalists and editors that they would be forced to read. Stuff like rock and roll musically is behind us. All caps, news and information is the new rock and roll. This is like a corporate memo. Their director of innovation is is This is, is like a, the boomer joke. Guys, like, we got to make the news cool. be rock and roll. At one point in a meeting, they're talking about the war in Iraq, and somebody brings up that, like, Los Angeles Times reporters are actually in Iraq, you know, covering the war, like you do, and he's shocked that this is allowed. He has no idea that this is how, like, journalism works, that reporters (laughs) go to war. What? This is the director of innovation for one of the largest newspaper companies in the country. Were they one um, step away of just becoming a tabloid at this point? Yeah, I mean, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to, like, his idea is that the we mirror. can just make it profitable by, yeah, turning it into a tabloid. Stick some tits on there, stick some game show stuff in there. It'll be great. I hate this guy. Yeah, I don't like this guy. Perfect. You know what I do like, though? Oh. I like Ads? the fact that the Great Lakes, being the largest freshwater bodies on the planet, <gasps> plenty of room for the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I try Sophie. to get it there, Sophie. I try. Sophie, Sophie. I, I just like don't care anymore. I care about your hometown, and am trying to stop it from being Nuke eaten by it, a lake. Apparently. Well, no, just the lakes. My, just the lakes. My, just the lakes. My hometown isn't there, so. Well, then everything's gonna be fine. All right, yeah. here's some ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. 
big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Oh, we're back. Sophie agreed off screen that my political career has a lot of promise. Um, everything's good. Yeah, Samantha, yeah. I, nuke mm-hmm. the Great Lakes in the middle of uh-huh. climate nuke change. The Great it'll stop it. It'll, it. Clo- it'll, it'll, it'll make the world darker. It, you ever see Snowpiercer? The yes, first two, I have the, seen yeah, that. Did you see? Yes, I, 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 I only watched the first. I only watched the first one and a half seconds of Snowpiercer, but that's basically my idea. Uh, okay, uh, eating roaches. So cool. Putting children to work. Uh, I didn't it. see any of those parts of the movie, but uh, <laughs> I assume all of those things were also positive because it sounds like it started with a great idea. Sure. Super, yeah. super positive. Mm-hmm. So, um, James Warren, the former managing editor and Washington bureau chief of the Chicago Tribune, said of Zell's time running the company, quote, they wheeled around here doing what they wished, showing a clear contempt for most everyone that was here and used power just because they had it. They used the notion of reinventing the newspapers simply as a cover for cost cutting. Now, during his time running the company, Zell also became a pioneer of clickbait advertising. Quote, oh, advertising. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he helps make this happen. 
Advertising has been inserted into the Los Angeles Times in new and unsettling ways. In March, an ad mimicking the front page for Disney's Alice in Wonderland was wrapped around the first section, and in July, a fake version of the newspaper section for late-breaking news called LAT Extra was wrapped around the real one, promoting Universal Studios' King Kong attraction, with a lead story that read, Universal Studios Partially Destroyed. In April of 2009, an advertisement posing as a news article about NBC's new show Southland appeared on the front page. In July, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, the governing body of the County of Los Angeles, sent a letter of protest saying the use of advertising disguised as news makes a mockery of the newspaper's mission. Some might argue that, yes, that's that's exactly what it does. But that's kind of the point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, what's interesting, though, is that none of this makes the business profitable. It actually making all of these newspapers much worse um, does not uh, make people more likely to use them. Um, Zell also had loaded the Tribune with so much debt by the deal, right, that bankruptcy was basically inevitable. It was almost impossible for the company to ever turn a profit because of how much debt he'd loaded it up with. So I would assume it, with the clickbait that, that he's getting money from the advertisers and that's not, how he was going to make money, well, but not even people, that? No, because people stopped visiting the website because it's shit. Okay. Like, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, investors hurt by the local by the deal later accused him of basically loading the company up with debt and then sinking it on purpose. Um, and I'm going to quote now from the Chicago Tribune. Tribune Company, the precursor company, uh, the predecessor company to Tribune Media, filed for bankruptcy in December 2008, one year after Chicago billionaire Zell took the company private in a heavily leveraged $8.2 billion deal. At the time, Zell blamed a perfect storm of industry and economic forces, the Great Recession, but the bankruptcy case turned on charges leveled by junior creditors that the debt burden was unsustainable. Now, one of the things, again, I found interesting here. 2008's prior to the social media age taking off, really. Uh, it's when we have our last big economic crash. Local right. newspapers are the primary way people get news. And Zell absolutely crashes them in this multi... Like he gets to banks to back him in this multi-billion dollar deal that he could never make a profit on. And then he sabotages the companies that he's bought and destroys them and fucks over a bunch of people and then blames it on the recession. Elon Musk Obviously. is currently carrying out a tens of billions of dollar deal on what is a lot of people's source of local news, um, right as we're about to have a recession, hmm, and has been talking about how he plans to fire 75% of Twitter staffers. It's cool. It's neat that these these billionaires get to just keep fucking with people's ability to get news because of their own egos when they want to. Yeah, they'll be fine. They're going to have like a fun year of stories, and then right. a lot of people's lives will be worse, and they will not suffer any consequences, which Have is good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so obviously, legally, nobody ever res accepts responsibility for anything. However, there's a bunch of litigation, like 10 years of it over this. Zell starts to call it the deal from hell because of all of the people suing him over this. Uh, and eventually, the litigation trust gets around $200 million to redistribute to creditors, as long as no liability or wrongdoing is assumed by Zell and other defendants. So... Mm. There you go. Uh, now, I want to read to you that above, or I read to you an above excerpt from the Chicago Tribune, which is a summary right. of the deal 10 years on. I think it's interesting how this New York Times article, which actually focuses on the working people hurt by the deal, describes it more viscerally. Because that one is just kind of like, you know, this they lost this amount of money, and now there's a big bankruptcy. The New York Times quote They're is going to be a lot grittier. Okay. 
Less than a year after Mr. Zell bought the company, it tipped into bankruptcy, listing $7.6 billion in assets against a debt of $13 billion, making it the largest bankruptcy in the history of the American media industry. More than 4,200 people have lost jobs since the purchase, while resources for the Tribune newspapers and television stations have been slashed. The new management did transform the work culture, however. Based on interviews with more than 20 employees and former employees of Tribune, Mr. Michaels and his executive's use of sexual innuendo, poisonous workplace banter, and profane invective shocked and offended people throughout the company. Tribune Tower, the architectural symbol of the staid company, came to resemble a frat house complete with poker parties, jukeboxes, and pervasive sex talk. So they crashed this company, lost 4,200 people their jobs, caused the largest collapse in the history of American media, but they got to be playboys for a little while. Yeah. They just, they just paid $7 billion to have a to, frat house yeah, for adults. To, yeah, a frat house where they also got to fuck with serious people who were trying to report on important local news issues. Right. So, That's number awesome. one, this helps destroy local news nationwide. Like, now it is effectively dead as a meaningful force. Um, this is not the only reason for that, but it is a big part of it. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, but obviously, for Zell, fucking with the Tribune was only ever a side project. His tre- his chief love remained real estate. And while all this is going on, he had very savvily sold his profile or his portfolio of properties off to the Blackstone Group for $39 billion, the largest leveraged buyout in history at the time. So he makes a fuckload of money after this. And he sells of off a bunch of these rental properties of his to Blackstone right before the subprime mortgage crisis hit, crashing the real estate market and earning a another feather in the cap of the Grave Dancer. When the market was at its lowest point, he used some of the pile of cash that he'd earned to buy up more properties. He currently owns some 78,280 apartments in San Francisco, Southern California, New York. All of these places where rent has surged over the last decade. He is a big yeah. part of that. Given what happened with the Tribune, you won't be surprised to learn that Sam Zell has decided to pour millions of dollars into spreading propaganda to stop the spread of rent-controlled housing in any form. So, again, he destroys all these local news companies, and then he starts putting money in order to, like... Back into it. Back into... Well, he starts putting money into basically, like, pushing propaganda that will lead voters not to select different ballot measures and stuff that will allow for rent, like, put caps on what rent increases and shit. Right. Like, destroys the local media, then, bri- like, bribes his way into trying to, like, push against any kind of housing justice or, or anything that will reduce the cost to renters. Um, so was this a big, like conspiracy for him to actually tank as they said news media so that he can go on and say if they actually do good research and come out with good journalism and say hey the housing market and all this is not just because of these things in order for him to control the narrative and be like see they're lying they don't they're not trustworthy i'm not gonna say tribune did i'm not gonna say whether or not there was intention there because i i can't there's no evidence of it certainly um but um i don't know that's what happens like that's the end result Mm -hmm. of it right uh is that yeah he it like all this shit gets uh fucked up um so it's it's good uh now before we get further into this what zell and other billionaires are doing to try to stop the passage of like laws that could actually make housing affordable we should probably talk a little bit about rent control this is a subject that is controversial today largely because of landlords like zell who claim it cuts into their profits so much they can't afford to do stuff like handle basic repairs and maintenance but rent control has a long history of helping people avoid disaster 
During and after World War II, federal rent control in Los Angeles froze rents and narrowed the scope of evictions so that housing construction could catch up to the population and make the city more affordable, right? It's this thing where you've got like, yeah, the population's growing by X amount, housing isn't keeping up. So you institute rent control and you reduce like the evict and you like make it harder to evict people so that folks can hang on until there's more housing. This is the piece that's always missing from those articles that's like we need to increase the housing supply. Well, that's not all we need to do. There's other right. things that have been proven to stop people from winding up on the fucking street and you're ignoring those in favor of just saying deregulate shit. Alyssa Katz, a researcher at UCLA, examined rent control and housing affordability in LA going back to the 1940s. She found that rent control successfully stopped people from becoming unhoused in the 40s, and then again in the late 70s, when inflation rose again and rent spiked. That time, a rent stabilization ordinance, quote, ended dramatic rent increases for incumbent tenants by limiting the rate which by which rents could be increased. When looking at California's modern homelessness epidemic, she put the blame directly on rent prices and urged a repeal of statewide rent control restrictions and the expansion of rent regulation. She isn't the only academic making these claims. Nicole Montoyo and Stephen Barton released a study through UC Berkeley, looking into which of the different proposed solutions to the housing crisis were likely to bear fruit. They found, quote, while other proposed remedies to the housing crisis may take years before they impact housing costs, only expanding rent control can offer immediate relief to tens of millions of people in danger of being forced from their homes. Another write-up on rent control measures from L.A. Progressive goes on to add, They noted that rent control can stabilize rents for existing tenants, improve affordability for tenants in the future, and preserve the existing affordability of housing that may otherwise become unaffordable. And the researchers found that claims that rent control has negative effects on development of new housing are generally not supported by research, and that rent control can provide a timely solution to a housing affordability crisis that the market will not. In a statement, Barton further pointed out that, quote, when the housing market is as dysfunctional as it is in many parts of California, tenants are effectively subsidizing landlords with rent payments above what a fully competitive market would allow landlords to charge. And what we're actually seeing here with stuff like these fucking program algorithms that allow landlords to jack up prices with guys like Zell putting millions of dollars into propaganda to kill rent control ballot measures in the state, and he's been very active in that in California in particular, is that the money that is being extorted out of people to keep a roof over their head is being used to fund, like to basically fund propaganda campaigns to stop any kind of rent control. Right. right. Um, right. It's it's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that you use the term a lot in this uh, episode. Yeah. I find it fascinating because exactly what they're doing is just paying into a way to keep yeah. money in their pockets, but they're not keeping money in their pockets, as well as the fact that there's so many other conversations like you're keeping people in a house and you're still getting money. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, and you, you're using the thing that's most fucked up to me. I hadn't really thought about it this way. Is that, and I, and I, I like that uh, LA progressives frames it this way. Is that tenants are subsidizing the campaigns of these landlords to right. stop housing reform? Right. Like it, their money is paying to keep rent high. Their money is paying to deregulate the system in order to like make it possible to continue to jack For up them the to rent. Have. Yeah. That, but like, that's the whole. Scheme of renting, it yes, seems. Yes, it is. It, it is the entire scheme of renting. Re like, yes. You never get anything for it. You're just giving it to the landlords who have now, by this time, paid off their yep. uh, property. They have taxes, sure, 
but it's still not anywhere near what you're getting in rent from your renters. So what the hell? And then you can, as a renter, especially in this market, you can't save enough, as you said in episode one, save enough to yeah. get your own house. No, you don't it, technically own it anyway for 30 years. It, what, what, what you're doing here and what guys like Zell are doing is you're recreating feudalism. You're, you're, you're making peons, yes. you know? Like yes. it's it's you're keeping it's this cool. caste system. Yeah, I, I want to continue this quote from L.A. Progressive because I think it's good. The tenant subsidy is paid for extravagant lifestyle lifestyles of many for many of California's largest corporate landlords who spend tens of millions of dollars to kill rent control ballot measures in the state. Billionaire Sam Zell, for example, owns posh homes in Chicago, Sun Valley, New York, and Malibu. Collects motorcycles and flies around the world in a private jet. Another billionaire corporate landlord, Stephen Schwarzman, owns mansions in Saint Tropez, Jamaica, East Hampton and Palm Beach and throws lavish parties for celebrities and high society friends. At the same time, as sky-high rents force more people onto the streets, nearly 1,500 homeless people have died in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles area between 2020 and 2021. So that's half a 9-11 in a year. Um, that's good. Now, when you start yeah. talking about... Yeah? I was going to say, you're being too empathetic. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what our old buddy Roper would say. Now, I mean, come on. When you're talking about rent control, anytime you talk about rent control, you're going to wind up talking about New York City. Rent control started there, too, as an emergency measure during World War II. At present, around 45,000 tenants in the city uh, began their, who began their leases before 1971 have rent-controlled apartments. Some of these people are like children or even grandchildren of the people who started right. the lease because you can pass it on that way. Their landlords are forbidden from increasing rent beyond a very mild rate, which means that many of these folks pay rents that are thousands of dollars a month under Underneath the present market rate. Rent control in New York has allowed for some peculiar situations where people will have apartments the size of small palaces for what amounts to peanuts by modern standards. It's also led to several murders. In 1998, Mark Glass, a landlord based out of downtown Manhattan, grew frustrated that his tenant Bridget Marks wouldn't leave her rent-controlled apartment in a former tenement that he'd bought and renovated. He hired a hitman to kill her, but that hut turned out to be a scam, so he tried to kill her with a heroin overdose. That failed, too. Eventually, she realized he was trying to murder her and got the police involved, and they carried out a sting operation, and he wound up in prison for like 7 to 14 years. In 2002, a New York landlord named Louis Hubricht grew enraged after trying to bribe and cajole his tenants to leave. This worked on everyone but Miss Barbara Kinna, a 67-year-old school librarian. So Hubricht shot her six times with a 38 caliber revolver. He was convicted of murder and sent to prison for the rest of his life. Two years later, yeah. Well, <laughs> got you got that rent right. Now you can now your now your your kids can fucking renovate the apartment, get an extra couple of grand out of that place. You know. So two years later, in 2004, Juan Basia Guida pled guilty for hiring two of his tenants to murder two other tenants who lived in a rent-controlled three-bedroom apartment in his building. They'd lived there since they were kids uh, and had legally assumed his father's lease. This enraged Basia Goida. So he hired two other tenants to break into the apartment and stab both brothers who narrowly survived. Now, <laughs> wouldn't he have had to give him free rent, the tenants that he hired to murder? I think he was probably giving them a break on their rent or something. <laughs> like, you get like six months off of rent if you stab like, these we, guys you, to man. death. I got yeah. you. Like, I'm going to throw in water for free. I got yeah. that bill. If uh, you'll murder these people. It, at the end of the day, it does not work out. Um, so, obviously, these are 
spectacular, but like not the only cases. You could find a surprising number of cases of landlords murdering or trying to murder tenants over rent-controlled apartments. Um, I mean, that's my solution: murder. Yeah, murder. Uh, well, murder. that's actually the only like that's the only real solution that any landlords use in stuff like this because the landlords who go about things the proper way by like evicting stuff legally are also killing a shitload of people. Right. Um, and we can look at that in terms of like how being houseless, you know, raises the rate at which you're likely to die early, how being evicted makes it harder to get housing. Um, right. There's a, a number of different things that we could talk about, but because we're in the middle of like what year three of the pandemic right now, I want to talk about mm-hmm. that. So I'm going to quote from a write-up by Judd Legum and Tesnim Zakaria. Quote, a new study by public health researchers at John Hopkins, UCLA, and other institutions looked at the impact of the expiration of state-based moratoriums during the summer of 2020. The researchers tested whether lifting eviction moratoriums was associated with COVID-19 incidents and mortality. The results are chilling. The study concluded that lifting eviction moratoriums amounted to an estimated 433,700 excess cases and 10,700 excess deaths between March 13th and September 3rd. The infections and fatalities occurred across 27 states that lifted eviction moratoriums during the study period. In Texas alone, the study found that there were 4,456 excess deaths after the state lifted its eviction moratorium on May 18th. The researchers accounted for stay-at-home orders, mask orders, school closures, testing rates, time trends, and other state characteristics to better isolate the impact of eviction moratoriums. Now, that's 4,456 deaths in Texas alone as a result of the lifting of the eviction moratorium. Um, Nationwide pandemic evictions alone have led to at least 10,000 deaths in the last couple of years. Um, So yeah, no matter what you're talking about, even if you're not shooting them with a 38, you're still killing people in the eviction game. And the amount of of those people are marginalized women oftentimes and they are uh, parents, more single often, mothers. Yes. It is so high. Yeah, we had a whole episode about housing and how it's affecting uh, yeah. single moms more than it's marginalized yeah. black women, essentially, more yeah. than anyone else and how this has been impacting them. Let's not talk about the fact that the credit score is a racist system in itself, yeah. but all of these things yeah. have been impactful and racist as hell and who they are trying to kill. I mean, and when you talk about credit scores too, because credit scores, there's a lot of like racism in who, like that system has a lot of problems with it, but also because an increasing number of apartments are owned by these gigantic corporations that are backed by like finance industry money, by companies like Blackstone, that means Mm -hmm. that more often and often, when I was younger, even if I, when you went with like a corporate you didn't have to do, they didn't care what your credit score was. That's what you no. need for a mortgage, but that didn't matter for renting a fucking apartment. Now it right. does. Now you Getting can't a goddamn, a goddamn phone needs yeah. a credit score. Yeah. Yeah. It's outrageous. I mean, again, all of these are, we're not trying, I, I hope nobody thinks I'm trying to give like, this is it, all of the reasons that rent has gotten high, but these are some big ones. These are major factors in it, and these guys are major factors in it. And that's going to leave me to talk about Steven Schwarzman. Um, now, I mentioned him earlier, right, when we talked about he's one of the billionaires in Los Angeles throwing money into stopping rent control ballot measures. Um Schwarzman is not as interesting as Zell. Zell is at least a pretty entertaining piece of shit. Um, Schwarzman is kind of a boring 
soulless corporate ghoul, but he's probably more influential in why your rent is raised. So Schwarzman's dad was a dry goods store owner like Zell, like his family's kind of upper middle class business owners. Uh, He grew up in Philadelphia, but was inspired to become an entrepreneur when he traveled to Israel for the first time as a 14 year old. In a recent interview, he said this, quote, Israel has an incredible entrepreneurial community. Of course, it had to, because when it started, there was almost nothing there. Everything had to be invented by somebody. Now, (laughs) you might you might be saying to that. Wasn't there like a whole society of of Palestinian people there with like universities and businesses and like homes and wasn't there like a lot of stuff there? Actually, face on forever. Wasn't wasn't there in in fact communities where thousands and thousands of Jewish refugees fled to during World War II and were able to survive because there was stuff there? Um, Stuff including like wealthy Palestinian families who helped fund the construction of the first Jewish university in Palestine. Anyway, wasn't all of that there? Uh, Anyway, whatever. Fuck. Like, this is pretty normal, like, shitty guy stuff. Like, this is not an an abnormal attitude, right? But you get where this guy's coming from. So, like Zell, Schwarzman is also a child entrepreneur. Again, the worst warning sign. Uh, He started Mm -hmm. a lawn mowing business where he very quickly stopped mowing any actual lawns. Instead, he got his brothers to do the work while he brought in clients. One of those, Um, yeah. Yeah, one of those. Again, look, if you see a kid doing this kind of stuff, I don't know. You you just gotta... Poison them a little bit. A little bit of poison. poison a little bit. A Are little bit of child poison. Their water as well? Well, it wouldn't be the worst thing. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. We, we can... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm still gonna... I still have to tweak my poison... Plans. Yeah. A, ambitious children plan. But I, I think there's a lot of future in it. I think it'll... Robert. Well, Sophie, you were just complaining about how high your rent is. You know? What if we could have stopped that with a little bit of poison? Not a lot of poison. I think you could write a kids. book, another book on this. Yeah, you can do another book on this. Yeah, yeah. The the poisoning children driven life. Why? With me why? smiling driven in a suit. Life. On, yeah, yeah, exactly. On um, yeah, it's gonna be good, Sophie. Can this just, is gonna be what takes us into the mainstream. It's so, gonna get your money, Sophie. It's fine. Just, can you just do an ad break? Uh, you know who? I what know, else? I need to pause. Look, from this bit. When it comes to poisoning children, nobody does it for this. like our sponsors at whoever our sponsors are. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Ah, we're back and we're better than ever. Are so, we? Yeah, I think we're doing good. Sophie? Uh, mm, I'm proud of well, us. Thank you, thank We've you, made a thank lot you, of plans. Samantha. I'm glad that you at least can be positive towards me while Sophie's being so mean. Yeah. So, yeah. we're talking about Stephen Schwarzman, uh, <laughs> who has started a lawn mowing business where he mows no actual lawns, because he is no. that kind of kid. Again, poison. Uh, his hunger to make a shitload of money did not run in the family. I find this really interesting. His dad is apparently a <laughs> very different guy, as this write-up from FinTech Magazine makes clear. In an interview with the Washington Post in 2019, Schwarzman explained how his childhood taught him that not everybody was going to be the same. When pushed by a young Schwarzman as to why he didn't want to expand his successful business or open more stores across Philadelphia, Schwarzman's father answered simply, because I'm happy the way I am. I thought that was sort of hard to take in, Schwarzman told the newspaper. His contentment is what made him a remarkable human being. Maybe you could have should have learned something from your dad, right? Like <laughs> to, the, in, need all the that. endless source to extract more wealth and resources out of an area is actually what's going to kill us all, and not a healthy attitude. But anyway, I mean, I, this is where you know, like, it's not not always 
a nurture. No, no. His dad nature. seems to be like, look, I have, I have a, I have a thriving small business. We live a comfortable life. That's all I need. Everybody's happy. You're no. healthy. Let's move on. No, his kid is going to, to become a ghoul of the highest order. Yeah. So Schwartzman goes to Yale, which is probably where a lot of the ghoul stuff comes in. He joins Skull and Bones. Uh, so he's one of those fucking kids. And then he goes on to do oh finance God. at a big fancy firm after getting his MBA. His first major employer was Lehman Brothers, which he described as, quote, full of interesting characters, ex-CIA agents, ex-military, strays from the oil industry, family, friends, and randoms. Uh, he he's rose... Yeah, very quickly. He becomes a managing... unbelievable yeah. red flags. Uh, I know. Right. Like, again, first all, making. if wow. there's a company like that, I don't know. Again, poison. Run. Poison them. Once again, once again, if Poisons. you're on a dating app, you see somebody have, yeah. have, have job, their job listed at that company, no. Yeah. It's just... I feel it, like... Yeah, Sophie's giving all the realistic advice while Robert's over here with his dreams. Just poison him. Look, if 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 we had just poisoned the water at a Lehman Brothers company party in the late 1980s, Obviously. a lot of problems wouldn't have happened. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, no comment. But yeah, yeah. Not this is look, not the Look, if the CIA's <laughs> MK Ultra program had been about poisoning Lehman Brothers and other similar corporations with doses of random hallucinogens that destroyed people's minds, nobody would think of them as bad guys. Would be like, oh yeah, those guys who got rid of the finance industry. Yeah, I like those guys. Those guys are chill. I'm just letting you know, people would still <laughs> consider the CIA the bad guys. Well, Probably. I don't know. Right. I, less right. of less of the bad guys. Fair. Look, if if the, if the CIA takes out like McKinsey, you know, eh, you win some, you lose we're some. We're all happy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> he leaves, he becomes managing director of acquisitions at Lehman Brothers at age 31, but then he cool. leaves the company to co-found an advisory firm, which he calls Blackstone. Quote, yep. though it started oh, life is, as oh. a boot. Yeah. He's the guy who founds Blackstone. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I mean, co-founds, but yeah. Samantha it's, is yeah. hyped. <laughs> yeah. These, this oh. is, this ah. is, these are, these are some bad dudes. Uh-huh. Though it I'm started life as a boutique M&A advisory firm within a couple of years, Blackstone had launched its first private equity fund and later by 1990 had branched out into hedge funds using partners, own money. The time of Blackstone's initial public offering in 2007, the business had more than $88 billion worth of assets under management. The IPO saw shares finish at over $35 each, valuing the firm at around $39 billion and enriching the personal fortunes of both Schwarzman and Peterson. Peterson's the, the guy he starts the company with. So, Today, Blackstone claims to have $880 billion of assets under management, including $260 billion in private equity and $280 billion in real estate. Stephen A. Schwarzman is still the company's chairman and CEO, and has indicated he has no intention to retire. He has two children, the film producer Teddy Schwarzman and writer and podcaster Zibby Owens. Um, I'm just happy that his daughter's a podcaster. I, you know what? Let's, let's all learn something together. What is Zibby Owens' podcast? I don't know, but did you just put us on a target list? Maybe. Uh, Sophie, what did know. you do? Sophie. Oh, I boy. Was, oh, no. What did you do to oh, me? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what's good. You know what? Um, I don't know much about this, but her podcast is called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Am I, are they, no. But, I don't, but, that's, but, that doesn't sound but, great. Uh, but I'm on her website. Was she um, Q9? And, and it's, she a t- it's, a top, it's a top literary podcast. She's an author. Oh. But it, she doesn't. But she interviewed Jill Biden. <laughs> Um, yeah, she, she interviewed, it she seems like, like she interviews, 
Yeah, she's a bookfluencer, which is a term. If you're a writer and you ever write the word bookfluencer, you should not be a writer. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. I don't know. Uh, is all her books like how to raise your like child kindly on, or whatever? No, I think she's like reviewing books as like a mom book r- reviewer. You should send her what it your sounds book, like she's Robert. doing. No. No, I don't I don't think she's going to be a big fan of my book. Um I don't I know. Don't, I don't think she's going. Let's see what essays Zibby writes. There's a picture of her in her chair. Um oh, no. Let's see. This rabbit hole is Yeah, these are mostly just lists of books people can read. So it seems a lot of it's like SEO listicle she shit. To- She's trying to make her own like Oprah magazine, Oprah's pick. Yeah, she's she. Of course, she's a bookfluencer. Yeah, she's very much like Oprah. Her, she's like interviewing Ralph Macchio. Uh, That's the Karate Kid guy, right? There's nothing wrong with that. He just wrote a book. Yeah, Yeah, he just wrote a book. She's just like a book influencer. Oh, she's hiring. Zibby Media is expanding. They're hiring superstars. NYC area only. J.K. Rowling. I bet she's a big fan she, of J.K. Rowling. She must be because she's NYC's most powerful bookfluencer, according to Vulture. I don't Vulture. know what that is. <laughs> she's a bookfluencer, Sophie. I don't think that's real. It's I'm also just like unwell. if you're saying someone is an influencer, that. you can be an influencer in, in the literature industry. You don't have to call someone a bookfluencer, which is a stupid. That's not on Zippy, but she brags about it in every page of her website. So it is a little bit on her. Um. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Z- Zibby Media is hiring a fuckload of people. It looks like so. Get on the Zib train. Oh man. Please Fast. Oh, she does it. classes. She does classes. I don't know why we're attacking her so much. Her dad's the bad guy. <laughs> but she's has she. Never mind. I, I, I actually. You there's nothing. Look, I, we're laughing about this. Oh. I can't find anything that's like offensive about her or anything like that. She just. We is, know nothing. She could no. be a lovely individual. She, she she seems fine. I'm sorry. She I, could it's just be a very, lovely individual. It just you know you can't you know look, people. If you can't, somebody, you can't pick your I will say this. If if you, you claim to love, family. if you claim to love Blood literature, and, and somebody calls you a bookfluencer, you do have a moral responsibility to the art of writing to say no. You're like you're not wrong. That's not a term we're gonna use. Bookfluencer right, is not a word. Let's get Robert as a blue bookfluencer. Yeah, nothing is know, a fluencer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really having a hard time even saying the word. I'm so, so I'm so angry about that. That's all, honestly. <laughs> Zibby has done nothing wrong but use that word. <laughs> that one word, which I've never heard of. I've heard TikTok book uh book TikTok book, or something book, like that. Book talk or something like book that, talk. which is yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, that yeah book, talk book talk is fine. Yeah, thank you. Because you're man, that makes sense. Old. Bookfluencer is fucking nonsense. That's and new. I'm, I've That's never new. been angrier. I've bad. never been angrier in my entire life than I am right All now. Alright, we'll get back to the program. This is so much okay, worse okay, than okay. war. So crimes. back to her father, okay. who is a lot worse. Well, but I bet he doesn't use the word bookfluencer. So most of you probably know what happened to Lehman Brothers, which was forced into bankruptcy after helping to cause the 2008 financial crash. Lehman had been a major driver of the fraudulent mortgage-backed security business, backed by subprime loans, and their collapse nearly took the global economy with them. Schwarzman had been out of the company for quite a while by this point, and he and Blackstone did very well as a result of this recession. They lose a little bit of money up front, but... They're heavily invested in companies like Starwood Waypoint and Invitation Homes, which merge in 2017 and start buying up 
all of these fucking properties that like mm-hmm. are suddenly fucking bargain bin. A website for tenants of innovation of invitation homes, invitationtenants.com notes, they benefited from the deception and fraud that saddled so many families of color with subprime and booby-trapped mortgages, leading to foreclosures that right. disproportionately affected African American and Latino families. Lower post-crisis home prices could have been an opportunity to increase affordable home ownership, but too often instead, Wall Street buyers swept in while neighborhood families were left out of the game altogether, unable to compete with cash buyers or denied access to credit. For these Wall Street speculators, with Blackstone being the biggest one, the recession of 2008 was not economically and emotionally devastating as it was for all the families that lost their homes. It was a market opportunity. Blackstone was one of the first private equity firms to begin buying up foreclosed homes in the wake of the financial crisis, fixing them up and renting them out. The firm, which began buying homes in earnest in 2011, is estimated to have spent $10 billion on its foreclosed home torrential bet. So, that's cool. Uh, in the years since the financial crisis, Blackstone Group has more than doubled the assets under management, uh, from $90 billion to $218 billion of real estate assets in its first five years after the financial crisis alone. As a result, Blackstone today is among the largest corporate landlords in the United States, and it reported its highest earnings ever this year on the strength of rising rents in its real estate portfolio. Here's Quartz. Quote, On the January 27th call with investors, Blackstone's executives explained rents for real estate sectors in their portfolio had risen as much as two or three times faster than the overall inflation rate. Relatively short leases on their properties have allowed them to raise prices quickly, capturing more value from renters, even as the inflation rate in the U.S. topped 7%. Awesome stuff. Really, really good. Again, I don't know much about real estate, nor do I know much about the corporations, especially like Blackstone. And it it was a recent thing that I'm like understanding all of these uh, giant buyouts. And I do know they they profited off the, uh, yes, 2008 crash. Oh, yeah, they did great off of the 2008 crash. Right, and foreclosing on families and leaving them homeless. And we know all of that and houseless um, and without houses. But was Blackstone involved with all the military by are they war profiteers as well or is that just in the back of my like imagination uh oh I think you may be thinking of Blackwater let me double check okay I mean, there's uh, too many may, I mean they, they do a lot of, they manage names. a lot of investments so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some degree to which okay. they're involved in the, one sec I feel like I maybe again yeah I might be confusing that like they had private organizations yeah and I mean they're involved developing they're involved for like them. they they invest in a uh, like they're a pr- private equity firm, so they have investments in aerospace and defense okay. companies. Um, okay. But I, I mean, so you could call them. They're definitely like profiting off of the defense industry, but that's not kind of their primary thing. It's just sort of a side effect of the thing they such. do, which is that they invest in businesses that have reliable rates of return, and that includes the defense industry. Um, Yeah, Uh, so I want to close by noting from a write-up in The Atlantic in 2020, um, which kind of makes the point that the nature of Blackstone's business, both its scale and its single-minded pursuit of profits, means that tenants nearly always come last. Quote, some evidence suggests that private equity firms, in contrast, are willing to engage in predatory practices to realize short-term returns. Blackstone's target properties in Southern California suggest an investment strategy similar to flipping single-family homes. Buy old properties, invest in cosmetic upgrades such as new appliances and facade improvements, and then increase the rents. Furthermore, some anecdotal evidence also indicates that private equity firms are less conscientious landlords in the single-family rental market. Researchers and journalists have documented concerns about poor-quality housing housing, difficulties raised by tenants trying to communicate with landlords when proper problems arise, and higher rates of evictions. And we can thank Mr. Schwarzman for an awful lot of that. 
Um, yeah, so Man. that's it. That's some people who have made the rent high. Uh, oh, come on. Steven Schwarzman, that Zell motherfucker, uh, Roper, right. all these assholes. Fuck yeah. them all. So let me ask you, as we are looking at possibly repeating history yep. in the next couple of years, where do you see, do you think we're coming upon a crash as well? I'm just uh, asking, I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone seems to say we're heading for a recession. That would make sense. Except the for last... the fact, hmm? I was just, except for the fact that they're seemingly trying to hedge it off by, again, charging the individuals and homeowners and renters instead of actually trying to get the corporations to pay out with their billions of dollars and or stop. Well, I mean, stopping the inflation so by, it, don't it sounds out. like what's happening is they're trying to, the Fed is trying to cut inflation by raising interest rates. Um, right. And a bunch of companies are using inflation as a hedge for rising prices and making like record profits right now, in part because I think they're getting ready for uh, what you might call an ugly winter in which they're going to take those profits and continue doling them out to their shareholders and executives while they cut staff and fire a lot of people and the unemployment rate rises. Like that's... I think more or less Winter's coming. what's probably going to happen. I don't know. We'll see how it is. Like 2020 was pretty ugly too. That was a gnarly recession, but it, it didn't last very long. I don't know. I'm not an ec- I'm not an economy guy, um, and I kind of you're think an expert mo- of all things. Robert, yeah, I know. I, uh, I, I kind of think most of the people who are economy guys are just engaged in some kind of con or another. But yeah, it's probably going to be pretty ugly in the near future. And these are the right. people who are going to make sure that a lot more folks wind up in uh, on the street when it does. Right. So, so solution poison. Nope. Poison is a good solution. Keep an eye Sorry, on Sophie. kids who express an entrepreneurial desire. Don't trust that. Um. Yeah. Uh. And uh, I don't know if you don't call yourself a bookfluencer. I'm livid. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh his his son, Teddy, not not the uh, the other kid that he had, uh is the producer who made the imitation game. Okay. Imitation or imitation? Imitation. Yeah. So you yeah. win some, you lose some is the more. You win of some, the story. you lose some, I guess. I haven't seen that movie, but uh Oh no, th- I have seen that movie. That's the movie about Turing that came yeah. out. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. It was. So, you know, what? Y- yeah, you win some, you lose some, right? That's yeah. Speaking of sometimes, winning, is he a film fluencer? No. He's a film fluencer. Movie? He's apparently who produced at least Stop one it. good movie while his dad was buying Stop up all it. of the housing that was briefly affordable after the financial crash. Like I said, you win some, that, you lose some. And speaking of winning some, Samantha, do you have any pluggables? Yeah. Yes. Come and visit me over Stuff Mom Never Told You. Nowhere near the same mom... Reads doesn't read things. I don't know. I'm not a book fluencer. I'm so sorry to say. Yeah, I and I can't for read, you, Robert. Oh well, that's a new one. Um, mm-hmm. And my Twitter is McVeigh uh, Samantha, and then Instagram McVeigh Samantha. So if you want to see pictures of my dog and me complaining about things, come visit me. Yep. yep. Um, find Samantha on the internet. Find the kid in your neighborhood who starts a lawn mowing business where he doesn't mow any lawns. And, uh, I don't know. just like smoke around him. (laughs) Yeah. Smoke real close to that kid. Just hang out next to that kid and smoke a shitload of cigarettes. My God. It'll be good. Load of cigarettes. Anyways. Uh, 
Oh, we have a new podcast on Cool Zone Media. It's called Internet wow, Hate do we? Machine, and uh, it's hosted by the one and only Bridget Todd. Check it, it out is. on, yes. uh, you know, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your yep. podcasts. I've yeah. had to say that a lot. Yeah. Fucking, fucking do that. Uh, I also have a book called After the Revolution. You do. You can buy it. You know what? Which, Twi- by the way, my Twi- partner loved. He just popped oh, it because <laughs> he wanted to uh, tell you how much he liked the book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, maybe he can help. Maybe you can help bookfluencer Zippy. <laughs> Yeah, so this is uh, Joe. I hope he gets to see hey, part of this podcast. He really <laughs> likes the book. He cannot Joe. hear you because I have an earpiece in. Oh, you don't have a, okay. <laughs> would thank you. you. Just, at- just tell him I'll smoke some meats and... Uh- thank you for that offer of illegal drugs. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, 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 no. Bring him, Samantha, bring him, back on. bring him back on. Bring him back on. I want to get a neutral opinion about this. Okay. Joe, t- oh, hold on. Oh. Let me give him an earpiece. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, make it work. Joe. This is Joe. Joe, this is Robert. Joe. Yes, hi, Robert. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a oh, word that a person is using <laughs> to describe their job, and I just oh, want no. you to give me the emotion <laughs> that hearing this word for the first time inspires in you, okay? Oh, nervous. No. Tell me. Bookfluencer. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to call her that intimately. I hope you yeah. know that. <laughs> it's a horrible so, word, right? It's yeah. a terrible word. Yeah. Uh, so, do you get that often? Is that a no? Thank no, no. you. That's, that's what that's we're going to the... call Robert. It's a book <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. How dare you? <gasps> no, it's it's from a it's from a lady with and a book podcast whose dad forbidden, destroyed the forbidden to come into this podcast again. No, you're coming back every week. You made me happy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm happy that you added bookfluencer to my vernacular. Also, yeah. it is now going to be Horrible. under your titles. Yeah. Thank Horrible. you, Robert. Bookfluencer. 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 All right, everybody. Why don't we all go fluence some motherfucking books? I will come to Atlanta. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.